something that wasn't said in our our uh, inebriated state that we should bring up now? Well, I don't know, but I, I can certainly say that there there were things that were said in that in our inebriated state that probably shouldn't have been said. <laughs> I guess uh, so. Some pleasantries. I I apologize for uh, any goofiness or just outright um, incoherence that I projected on our on our last episode. <laughs> but we were tired. We we were uh, under the influence of various substances, and uh, we were just having fun. So ho- hopefully, it wasn't too uh, painful to listen to. But also, I, gosh, there's so many people to thank, but I'll just, so there's no way I'll get to them. But um, just thank you to uh, Chuck Liddell and uh, Stefan Garcia for joining us on that on that episode. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, again, thanks to Chuck for just uh, organizing the whole extra, extracurricular uh, and Tom, the, uh, the ever elusive Tom, <laughs> mysterious Tom. Um, and thanks to Salesforce um, and uh, Peter Chittam. So I know we thanked before, but I just wanted to, I'm really, I'm really grateful. And it was fun. And again, I hope it, I really hope that was good for Salesforce. Um, it would that'd be nice. Anyway, any other things to get out of the way? Front matter? Not really. Okay. Um, I also wanted to say that some people came up and bugged me about shirts. We owe them shirts. I'm, I'm aware of that. And I apologize profusely. Yep. We're going to get shirts out. And I would also say, since we're going to do be mailing it around to shirts, we have a lot of shirts. Um, shoot us an email. Uh, and just give us your size and your address, and maybe maybe one for your wife too. We have or your husband. We have women's sizes. We have men's sizes. Um, you talking about the blue ones? Huh? Talking about the blue ones? Yeah, the blue. That's all we have. But they, um, we just uh, we need to get rid of some of these. So yeah, emails info at gooddayserpodcast dot com or or PM us in the in the Slack or something. Oh, and when it comes to sizes, I think these ones fit a little bit smaller, so go one size up. Yeah, I mean they're they're athletic cut. So if you if you wear let's say let's put it this way if you wear a large in kind of a boxy t shirt mm-hmm. you probably should get an extra large in these yeah like the black one barely fit me at a large and these blue ones basically don't fit me at a large <laughs> I have to like when I put it on I have to really stretch Just it out. stretch it a yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it kind of looks like a dress when I'm done it's <laughs> you don't reach up into like your shoulder and start kind of tugging on it a bit just to kind of because I got these big shoulders and so they kind of no I just have the belly problem you know oh, so, so I've got both so yeah anyway <laughs> well um, we we didn't we really did not get to talk about the MuleSoft thing in very much detail last yeah I was going to uh, ask two weeks if that's, ago if that's like one of those things that was hot topic a couple of weeks ago but now it's kind of just died down even Salesforce has kind of moved on yeah I don't know no I don't think anyone's moved on I mean it's 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 not breaking news anymore but it's still oh. it's going to be hugely interesting I, I think for us to watch this I think unfold. it'll be interesting but have you noticed the articles that are coming out I mean there was a there was a slew of articles last week that came out saying oh it's 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 such a big buy there's there's a bit of doom and gloom and then shortly after that there was a bunch of articles saying no it's not doom and gloom it's actually a good thing and, and there's a bunch of defensive articles posted about that uh, and then this week all I've heard about is how Salesforce stock is booming it's still a strong buy and uh, they're doing blockchain yeah. So it seems like the 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 press and the analysts have moved on to stock and blockchain. Now, have we are we still in that phase where if you just mention that you're doing blockchain or, or rename your company to something blockchain that your stock you know goes up? I or, think so. You think so? I think because they, they got a bump. That. They got a bump. I think after I think after the Ice Tea Company added blockchain <laughs> to their name and they got the, that huge bump. I think that was when that jumped the shark. So uh, uh, I'm not sure because well because Salesforce did not get a bump from MuleSoft or from the blockchain announcement. Well, maybe they didn't get a bump, but I thought I saw, and again, I was glancing earlier today that that there was a bit of a 
either, either a bump or there's strong recommendations from analysts that uh, still keep investing and it's oh, a sure. buy yeah. and this and that. Again, and, that, and, and you got to remember, I mean, most of these are sell side analysts or buy side analysts, and they're, um, you know, Salesforce is 90% owned by these people. These people that, these people. Or, or the people that are saying these things are representing the people who own Salesforce stock. Um, it's, Which it's, is probably all of us. <laughs> some, uh, you, in some you way might or be another. surprised, exactly. I, I might 401k is probably I probably got, do got a toe Salesforce in, uh, in Salesforce stuff. Yeah. But no, they didn't get much, much of a bump. And, and they, they might have gotten more. I mean, if you look at how Salesforce is financing this acquisition, I believe it's around a couple of billion. Uh, MuleSoft did accept in Salesforce stock. And of course, where is Salesforce going to get $2 billion of their stock from? They're going to they're gonna print it, right? They're going to create shares. And so that is factored into the to the value of Salesforce's stock. The fact that they're going to have to they're going to have to print shares, mm-hmm. uh, and anytime you know when they if you I mean they any, how many I'm trying to think of how many shares they have now seven hundred and something billion or million sorry, um, but they'll have to you know so Salesforce is worth what seventy or eighty billion. They have to print two billion in, in shares. So they're going to have to print. They're going to have to go. They're, that's, they're essentially going to the stockholders and diluting them by two or three percent to come up with a couple billion dollars mm-hmm. to finance that portion of the acquisition. So that that's going to hit the stock. That's going to offset. Like if they were to get a bump, it's going to be offset by the the market knowing that the, the stock is going to get diluted some as well. Yeah. Uh, they also I saw um, and and again I, I'll just apologize up front. I've been under a rock because I've got uh, deadlines looming. I have several deadlines this month, and I don't. I mean, this may be the last time you hear from me this month. I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes, but. I'm not really, I'm not kept up on anything. So I'm just going to be talking about whatever uh, whatever I want to talk about, whatever I do know, which is not that much. But they did announce that they're going to have to, and I, I think I predicted this, they're going to have to raise, they're going to have to borrow, uh, I think it's two and a half billion dollars. Oh, right. So yeah. some of it's in cash, which they Salesforce has some cash, a couple billion, I think. And the, But they're going to have to use most of that <laughs> for the cash portion. A right. uh, couple billions in stock, and then the remainder is... Um, well, it's it's also cash payment to Mulesoft as well, but Salesforce has going to have to go and borrow that money. So they announced um, a couple of uh, different you know notes that they're going to be sell- basically essentially selling bonds, right? So two and a half billion dollars total, uh, one billion of uh, one billion that will be due twenty twenty three. So that's a five year term, right? Um, and one and a half billion that are due twenty twenty eight. So the ten years. So they're going to this thing's going at ten years financing of this thing. So interesting. Um, just um, to see that this this was this is actually that video of the guy's pretty big catfish that ate its equally big goldfish. Yes. Okay. That's what this kind of feels like to me. I mean, <laughs> Salesforce is a lot bigger than Mulesoft, but this was really big for Salesforce. Yeah. Funny tangent on that. <clears throat> I also exposed Jeremy to what noodling was after he showed me that video. Oh, that's right. You didn't. <laughs> yeah. That was that's weird. Good thing. Uh, yeah, by the way, don't want to noodle with piranha. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Make sure there are no piranha in the water when you go noodling. Everyone's going to have to go Google that now. Yep. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where was I? Mulesoft. Yeah, this is a really big acquisition. And, and the thing that, that I'm still really just curious about is, and there's, I don't know if there's a good way to know. I'm sure some people, some people are more confident in their prognostications than others. But, you know, is Salesforce going to get Six and a half billion dollars of value out of this acquisition because, again, my point was one of my points was that Microsoft is already really valuable to Salesforce. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Sales, MuleSoft was already enabling Salesforce to do projects, big projects with big integrations and medical stuff and finance stuff and all kinds of stuff. Like they were already benefiting from that. Having now, Salesforce was an investor in MuleSoft, but even without that, they would have been benefiting. I mean, it required no equity ownership in MuleSoft in order for them to benefit from the the fact that Salesforce is one of the biggest, you know, modules or whatever of of MuleSoft. Mm. Right. So, given the fact that Salesforce was already benefiting from that, what is the incremental value of Salesforce buying MuleSoft? What a but you know what net new value are they getting from that? Considering that it's cost them six and a half billion dollars, I think it's more of a strategic play. It plays into their growth strategy and growing and and kind of broadening out the what the platform means in general. And now they have what I'm calling the integration cloud or integration as a service. And now they have that to offer. Yeah, I guess because MuleSoft wasn't hurting. MuleSoft, from what I understand, wasn't up for sale. Then Salesforce was the only bidder. They were really healthy as a company, mm, okay. and they just said, people we're not going to turn down any offers. Right, people are, yeah, everyone has a price. Everyone has a price. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I guess at a high level, I get that argument that, you know, oh, they have an integration cloud and this opens opportunities, but, but then I, I just go back to my previous idea. I mean, does it really? Does it open things that weren't already open to them before? Does it enable the, a, type, a new type of deal, a new size of deal that they didn't have access to when they didn't own MuleSoft? And I just, I think so. Doesn't yeah. explain that to me just from my nuts and bolts. Why, how, what kind of deal can they do now that requires integration? The integration is the enabling technology that they, that they couldn't do when they didn't own MuleSoft. Well, not so much that they couldn't do because they didn't own MuleSoft, but they get to say now that this capability is under their umbrella. So when they go to offer someone who has a very large data need, data transformation, or some kind of service bus need or something, whatever services they're going to be using for MuleSoft. So you're saying they can just, because they say they own it, that, that makes it better than MuleSoft being a, well, sure. a good I mean, partner think, or whatever? Because I mean, they're not, okay, so, so it doesn't make it any more valuable. It doesn't, I think it does. I mean, so think about what's going to need large data. So you have um, AI tech, you have AI data source needs, you have IoT data source needs. And so you go to sell your, your IoT platform to a company and go and, yeah, but you have to go talk to these guys to talk about getting that data into Salesforce. We can we can do stuff with it, but you have to go get it and you have to go talk to these guys for it. You're still going to have to go talk to those guys. They just And they're still going to be in the same office wherever MuleSoft is. I don't even know what part of the country they're in. Their paycheck has no, a no, different no. bank on it no. now. That's, <laughs> all, that's now, the only difference. No, the, the, the difference is that now you're talking to a different company with their own their own goals and their own strategies and their own things that they want to push. When it's under the Salesforce umbrella, they control that message end to end in that sales cycle. That's just, that's re- I mean, I hear what you're saying. It's just really abstract and it's, I don't see how you ever quantify that. What, to, you know, I'm how much value that is. No, I, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you're making that argument because I've, I've heard that argument and I don't, I'm not, dis- I'm not disagreeing with that argument. Maybe I'm discounting it some. I, I don't think that's as valuable as what some people are saying. You know, again, I, I'll probably, I'm probably wrong about this. I just don't quite get it. The, the other, another aspect of this that I think is Salesforce has to overcome it's part of what makes something like MuleSoft so valuable is that they, they do connect to like all these different things. I mean, every big enterprise software they connect to, they connect to every kind of messaging system, every kind of data source and data destination, every kind of database, every, you know, they connect to everything. It connects mm-hmm. to everything. And part of what makes that work so well and they're so valuable is that they're not owned by any of those things they connect to. They are what we call vendor neutral. And there's a huge value in that when it comes to your... Um, 
your integration platform. It's like you don't want your politician to be paid for by Facebook or by Google or some or by the oil industry, right, or whatever. You know, you want, mm-hmm. kind of want your politician to be neutral. Well, you kind of want your integration platform to be neutral too. I mean, if think about this, Salesforce again. I think they were already benefiting a lot from MuleSoft. But what if Oracle had bought MuleSoft? Well, I think all this I, immediately becomes less. Salesforce immediately becomes um, that it's less valuable to Salesforce, and Salesforce is immediately thinking about okay, what are we were we were using MuleSoft in a lot of our deals. Mm-hmm. They were a big partner of ours, ours, and now they can't be. What are we going to do? Yeah. So we we have that that same phenomenon is happening now. It's just all these other things that connect to that that MuleSoft connects to, the, and the and the companies that are using it for those things. They're have, they're looking at this going now going well crap it's owned by Salesforce um, we're a big Oracle shop or or even just like maybe maybe they're not in a situation where they're it's a something that's competitive with Salesforce it's just that their Salesforce is going to be driving MuleSoft where Salesforce wants to go not where MuleSoft their mission is going to be different. True, their mission is going to be different, but I think you I think you kind of answer your own question when you said what value does it add, and that's a that's a big thing. If we talk about all the things that Salesforce is trying to get into vertical wise, healthcare and insurance and all those things that have pretty heavy data integration requirements. And the fact that MuleSoft is such a big part of it and they don't control it. And if someone else was to gobble them up, they'd lose that capability instantly. That's a huge liability. That's a, that's a major gap to have to plug. Yeah. And have to go to somewhere else and try to, try yeah, to tell. I know it's, it's a, it is a benefit to own that, but it's, it's a benefit to Salesforce, but it's, I'm thinking about the benefit to MuleSoft's. It's not current. a benefit to Salesforce. It's a benefit to the stakeholders. No, Get that's that straight. True. That's right. Let's see. I, I I should have. I should be. What you know? When I once I get some muscle memory on my gosh, I don't uh, on my new soundboard. Your Farago. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Gosh. I don't have a steak. I don't have a stakeholder clip, John. Unless I spelt it like the food steak. Let's see. You did. Yeah, there's just nothing's coming up. Let's see. Vamp for me, John. Dude's. Nah, I don't. Know, you I want me to do a song and dance? A little. Little. I can't find. Beep up. I actually think that was on my first sound. No, it it was on the sound. Yeah, same soundboard software, but on an old computer and. I didn't, I, I think when I stopped using that, some of those initial sounds that were on there, I don't even have those anymore. I bet that stakeholders was on there. Oh, probably. Anyway, um, let me look at my other, I had, I had other notes on MuleSoft that we didn't get to, but one thing was that, the, you know, apparently they, a year, if they would have bought MuleSoft a year ago, they could have gotten them for $2 billion. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, quite a hike. Um, uh, so, so since we brought up blockchain, do you have any opinions on that? I, I haven't really followed up on it. N- not really. I mean, I, I, I'm, I do not follow blockchain closely. It's not something that really like scratched a nerd itch for me or anything. And some people it does, and I and I yeah. get it. it. It is actually from from what I do understand about it, it's very cool. And I think there will be some novel applications of it. I think people are really struggling to. I mean, for as much hype as it gets, I think we haven't found that near enough applications for blockchain mm-hmm. in order to justify the hype. Um, but I do think we'll find more and more applications for for that kind of technology. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you as well. I, I've, I've tried to get into it, tried to learn about it, especially after I spoke poetically about blockchaining, um, which is just me playing around. But it, it it really didn't scratch scratch an itch with me. It wasn't something that I really wanted to deep dive into. I I kind of got some basic concepts of it and just kind of went, okay, I got other things I want to do. Yeah, and and you know, Salesforce, you know, they they like to get in, either buy their way in or build into fairly advanced technologies and then again put the bumpers around them mm-hmm. so that their you know sales quote salesforce developers unquote uh can use these things right 
uh, and and they've done that with analytics. They've done that with they've attempted to do that with IoT. I really don't know where that is yet. I th- I think IoT is a thing for Salesforce. No, I know we had they had that kind of one year uh, like they got a redo. You okay? Yeah, they got like a one year um, kind of redo on the IoT thing. Um, but I, I you know but I think that's you know you see in these certain areas where Salesforce struggles to democratize some of these technologies for their for their uh, citizen developers uh, and 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 I think of that with blockchain like block, again blockchain cool technology but and I think Salesforce could find ways and they may they may already be doing this um, ways to use blockchain internally to implement certain parts of their uh, platform and you know features and things mm-hmm. but I'm not sure about I don't if the strategy is for Salesforce to expose blockchain as a technology for the uh, citizen developers of the world. I mm, I don't know. That's I see that as a I don't see how that would work quite. Well, I don't know that I don't know that AI has been exposed to the citizens of the world. I mean, they, they the the tools that they have for AI are pretty much pre-built and you just kind of enable them. It's not like they're allowing you to point and click your way into creating a new AI module. And I, I believe that's some of the misconception that I see out there when cuz Salesforce talks about AI and Einstein and everything and people Clients will come to me and go, okay, well, how do I get this, this, and this, and this? I'm like, well, it's... Wait, wait, wait. I, I've seen the demos of these Einstein APIs and stuff that the citizen developers can use. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, like the, the sentiment... Um, yeah, but I mean, that, again, the, that's pre-built. You have to have data that's categorized for that purpose. Right. In order but to also like it. It's not know, like someone can go in and point the click into a, a new data set that, that AI can use. Right. And, and I think you're making my point, actually, which is that it's, it's hard... Um, it's hard to take, you know, some kind of advanced technology and turn it into something that, you know, for, for point point and clickers. Which, by the way, I I know that sounds derogatory. I hate the term because I do think it sounds derogatory. But I didn't make it up. <laughs> Just call them citizen developers. No, We're all citizen developers, Jeremy. No, no. Um. Mm-hmm. So we're done with MealSoft? Let me see what else I have I think here. so. I'm, I'm done with MealSoft. I was disappointed they didn't call it the Ask Cloud. That would have been nice. <laughs> I think the naming is still up, still up for debate, so we'll see. No, it's the Integration Cloud. They, I mean, they, John, they had a fully formed Integration Cloud two days after they announced the deal. It hadn't even closed yet, and they've already got an Integration Cloud. Yeah. Gotta love Salesforce. Well, they got to change a few things in their systems. They get up and say it with a straight face, too. Like they've, you know, built an Integration Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyone who can lie that well, you never trust. It's not a lie. Mm, yeah, okay. The MuleSoft team is part of them, and therefore that team can say it was a, it. Ma- a. Yeah, you're not supposed to say anyone lies. You're not allowed to say anyone lies. It, it was a mis- material uh, misstatement. It's fake news. That's fake news. That's my my attempt at a Trump impression. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's fake news. You're fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. We had some other comments that came in. Let me look through these. Um, well, while you're doing that, I, did you? Did, uh, so there's been a lot of talk on privacy, and we'll we'll talk more about that a little bit later yeah. when we get into Facebook. But did you try the Cloudflare kind of um, DNS service that they they released on April 1st, which is like the weirdest thing to do? No, but I like feel, no, it's not a joke. I, I heard about this, but no, you know, fill me in on the details here because uh, so they basically. In an attempt to kind of improve privacy, is they were offering a public DNS service, and the whole thing was it was private. It wouldn't log anything. Um, it would it would delete all the logs and everything. I think within twenty four hours, those kind of things. Um, so the IP address for it was one 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 one, and I did try it out. It wasn't fast. It was very slow, and I ended up turning it off. Oh, I saw that it was really slow, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
they're trying to tout it was going to be fast, but I thought oh, I'll give it a shot and try it. It was really slow. Um, I, I also read and heard, and I'm not up to up to speed on this kind of stuff, but I also heard that that IP in particular is used for a lot of different things. Like some companies will use it for certain systems or to block things or the or even some other issues with that particular IP address. So I don't know. I don't think it worked for everybody, but anyways, I tried it. It was slow. It sucked. I use I use the Google one quite a bit, um, especially like in the office here. Like the, mm. the ever since they fixed it a couple of years ago in this building, it's the speed's always really good. I mean, I say I say really good. It's a pretty steady fifty down, fifty up. Mm. But, See, I've tried these things before, and I've I've always ended up just kind of removing them, letting my ISP handle it because I just we, I get such spotty performance from everybody. Okay, and and. So the problem I've had here, and I think they fixed it now, but for a while they one of their DNS servers had, comp- in fact, it was the one that. So okay, so DHCP assigns your DNS servers if, mm-hmm. you, if you use DHCP, and usually you get assigned two, a primary and a secondary. And their primary DNS server was just dead for about a month, and so your computer, or at least the TCP/IP implementation that my computer has, always tries the primary first, and it waits for about. I'm guessing like two seconds mm-hmm. if a negative response goes to the secondary. So it just makes everything go really slow because it always checks that primary first. And a modern web page, I mean, go to, go to Bloomberg or Business Insider, they have to resolve about 8,000 different domain names because oh, yeah. of all their stupid trackers and ads and Facebook, you know, Analytica crap. Yeah, I was seeing that everywhere, just really slow resolving issues, especially in, like, I was noticing a lot in Salesforce as well, just how many different domains in there it had to, to resolve. Oh, uh, uh, sure, yeah. Um, but I switched to Google's, the 8888 eight, eight, and the 8844. Mm-hmm. Might have had one too many eights in there, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and it was fine. It was very fast, super fast. So I, I yeah, in fact, I, th- I think I still may be on that. I just leave, I just left it on. And here's the other thing. People, people need to be aware of this. My home ISP, and I have a big one. It's Spectrum, mm-hmm. which used to be Time Warner. So is mine. Yeah. So they have a thing where if you... Let's say you, because um, you know how in Google, or sorry, in Chrome, you can, I think, I'm sure most browsers do the same, but you can type anything in the address bar. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, if it's not formatted like a URL, it immediately... The browser will well, try to send it to the search engine. Okay, and that's fine. So that's not the scenario I'm thinking of. I'm thinking through this live here. What I'm, has, I guess what I'm thinking of is if you type something that actually looks like a domain name, mm-hmm. and of course, when I'm at home, if, I don't, if I'm not overriding the DHCP, the DNS servers, it goes to my ISP's DNS server. And if yeah. that, and if I type in a domain name that doesn't exist, it returns me. It doesn't. It actually, it, again, this is the way they've broken the internet. It returns. Oh yes, we have that domain name, and it returns an address, and it's an address for their search engine, mm-hmm. which serves ads. Yep. Yeah. So, and if you have one of these, if if you have one of these slimy ISPs, and and the bigger they are, generally they worse they are. Kind of like hotels. The bigger the hotels are, worse they are. Like, the more expensive their internet is. Uh, that's why I like kind of going to like, not the cheapest hotels, but kind of the middle ones, because their ho- internet's always free. <laughs> I know, I'm a cheap ass. Uh, <laughs> I'll help you have a good VPN. Although I can tell you, at the Intercontinental, and are you drooping? <laughs> yes, it keeps drooping, and I feel so weird. <laughs> at the Intercontinental in... in uh, in San Francisco, I've, in fact, I'm a, I'm a repeat customer there. But I signed up for their rewards or whatever, and as long as you're a member, you get uh, you get free, free uh, whatever internet. Well, now it's too high. That's I'll what, just deal with it. Yeah, I'll make it droop. Um, yeah, so okay, that's all I had on that. It just sucked. 
I don't recommend it. Do we want to talk about what else do we have? So we have a Hyderabad. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. What do we have about Hyderabad? Well, where's my clip? I want my Hyderabad. Um, the only reason I brought this topic up is so I can hear Hyderabad. Oh. You you missing uh, your Parker? Yeah. Hyderabad! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you ready for another conference? So Hyderabad is going to host their own kind of trailblazing conference. I heard about this. Like a, this, so like a regional Salesforce event yeah. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Salesforce. I mean, they're, they're growing an army of Hyderabadians out there. <laughs> well, no, I mean, every, every corner of the planet is going to have some kind of, uh, con, kind of their own little conference. It's, it's kind of interesting how this really is really nursing that over there. Yeah. I'm kind of warm too. I'm warm. It's really warm. In it here. is warm. So, these headphones don't help. No. I just feel like I'm sweating over here and mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable. Probably are. My back is sticking to the couch. Oh, and, gross. Yeah. That's the last time I sit on that part of the couch. <laughs> this is the part where you lay your head. It <laughs> depends on which way I lay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so anyways, that's that's news. That's a thing that's happening. So what I didn't, I wasn't clear on what, what's happening here. Oh, it's just a recent announcement. It's something that's coming soon. There's really nothing is to it, about. Is it Hyderabad Dreamin'? It's hi- No, that was the other thing. You're, thanks for reminding me. It's not dreaming anymore. I don't think these events are going to be called dreaming events anymore. Good. This, was, this is trailblazing. This is Hyderabad oh, yeah, trailblazing. Yeah, trailblazing, right. So I, I predict in the near future, anything that used to say dreaming as a, as a kind of community-sponsored conference will transition to trailblazing. Yeah, because getting on uh, Daddy Benioff's solution to the joblessness of the fourth industrial resol- uh, resolution. Re- yeah, resolution. Fourth industrial resolution. <laughs> Uh, getting on, getting on that that bandwagon and doing what three hundred thousand other people are doing that that is that is that is blazing trails, John. <laughs> oh, let's go brazil. You know, you know, <laughs> for for all the talk of trails and paths and everything, getting into Moscone was kind of a challenge. There were so many people going God, to the you, wrong door. You've been door. during Dreamforce. No, so many people going to the wrong door and like trying to open it, and you, they should just had like a a path written on the floor to tell people where to go. Yeah, I know there should have no. been an actual trail. To get no, to, no to part of part of, part of providing jobs in the fourth industrial re- revolution. I can't even say that now because I said resolution so many times. <laughs> is don't do things like that. Instead, hire humans for relatively low wages, just enough to, just enough that so they're getting by, just getting by. That's that's the theme of the fourth industrial revolution. We're gonna we're just gonna get you know he's gonna help us get by. No, you pay people to stand there with side. You don't put them on the sidewalk where everyone could see them. You pay a bunch of people to stand around with and just answer questions and and they watch you walk up to the wrong door and try to open it and they get kicked out and then they say oh yeah you go around there i did see that a few times where they just kind of watch someone go up to the door and then after they either failed or usually they failed because the doors were all locked. i failed so many times yeah because they also like i think from the first day to the second day they changed which doors you could go in it's i don't know i don't get it <laughs> and then there was the day that i had to get there early just to open to prep for the extracurricular because i had the first session Oh yeah, and we were told by Salesforce people to come early and get in there early, and I we couldn't get in. Like the only door that was open was the employee entrance, so I go in there, and you know I was arguing with the security guard who they don't. They're just told to look at a badge and whatever you do, don't let the person in if they don't. Mm-hmm. don't use your brain, anything else, zero tolerance. Just so so that didn't work. Anyway, they were just protecting everyone. You do you want to talk been, about? You could have been some psycho. You kind of look like one. So again, I, I man, I'm so out of it. So I've only seen kind of headlines. I have, I'm so uninformed though. But this thing about Apple planning to make its own uh, like CPUs, I guess, for their computers. Yeah, I find this. I find this interesting. Um, a this long is going time back ago, to what they used to do. 
Yeah, well, they still do. I mean, look at, I oh, mean, that's true. they make some of the fastest chips in the world with these A, what are they up to, 10, 12? I don't know mm-hmm. what they're on. Well, the W1 is their chip too, right? Do they make that? Yeah, that's the little yeah. Bluetooth chip, right? Yeah. Um, and they make, oh, I don't know, there's, a, there's several other chips they make. Um, but, you know, a while back, this would have scared me because I really, well, I was concerned with, um, what what's it called? Like being able to run you know, like window stuff on a Mac and like right. very, very virtualization things, I think, requ- you know, rec- are relying on the fact that you've got a compatible processor with instruction codes and all that. But I think they'll continue that trend. They might have to license some. Or there might be some, some like mapping layer. Yeah. Well, my point is now I actually don't, I don't really don't care about that very much anymore. Because I don't think I do. Maybe I do. I don't know. I, well, that's I haven't, I haven't thought through this yet, but I do know that you know. If I think if Apple decided to do this, I think they could probably do a really good job. And you know, they've been. I mean, if you look at the delays they've dealt with from Intel, if you follow this supply chain crap, mm-hmm. I mean, it, they Intel has really screwed them on numerous occasions. I mean, the fact that it took them so long to get like Skylake, for example, and they were just like, you know, two two Intel generations behind, and they've just got you know, any and when a new, new generation comes out, you know, you'll see. I don't know, Toshiba and Dell or whatever, they'll start to oh, ship yeah. pretty soon, but Apple's got to wait until Intel can keep up with them, with their volume. Right. And it usually takes like six months to a year before Intel is ready. And it's just, you know, it's like, okay. So I don't know. I, well, it also kind of lends to the idea that they're going to try to merge these operating systems in the near future. And that maybe with them making their own chips, that'll happen a lot sooner than later. There's a lot about that that, that scares me. Me too. I, I'm, well, because I'm, I'm, I'm scared of them taking what I find to be a really powerful computer with a really good, you know, Unixy based underpinnings with with arguably, you know, debatably, really good UI stuff that can run, you know, the Adobe's of the world and all that kind of crap, um, and you know, turning it into something that is not near as powerful. Oh, you don't need that command line anymore. You don't need a terminal. Just um, use this new iOS for Mac we have. <laughs> I don't think they'll get rid of the terminal. But I, I see your point. I mean, they, technically, they would own it. They, they could decide not to do that. And we've, with, with iOS 10, yeah, 10. I mean, we did inherit a lot of Unix stuff, so. Explain that to me. iOS, we inherited Unix I'm stuff? I'm sorry. I was, no, I, I meant to say iOS 10. Did I say iOS yeah, I believe you said iOS. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Mac OS. Do you mean Mac OS? Yeah. Okay. I, I call it OS 10. What do you call it? It's Mac OS now. Yeah. Well, 9 was not Unix. 9 no, was theirs. John, and 10, Mac OS 10. No, it's not called. You say you don't run OS 10. Yes, I do. No, you run Mac OS. When that change? <laughs> you really should. Uh, I thought my head was buried under the sand. Um, go to uh, About This Mac on your computer, John. Mac OS High Sierra version 10.13.4. It's called, yeah, it used to be, see where it says Mac OS? They used to say OS space It's still X. version 10. It's, st- it's still I, version I, I 10. I know, but it's the, the operating system is not called OS 10 anymore. Fine. I know, I'm just, anyway. You're the one who was correcting yourself on. No, I was trying to differentiate between iOS and OS 10 or Mac OS. Okay. Uh, because right. cause I'm trying to differentiate so what between was, the two. But what I'm saying right. is that when they merge the two, how much are we going to lose? Are we going to lose a lot of power? Are we going to have... That's what I'm worried Are we going to have to buy one computer that comes with OS X and one computer that comes with the new iOS Shiny? You know, we'll have to dual then, boot like iOS and Mac yeah, OS? Oh, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's kind of a scary proposition. Yeah, it is. Um, so anyway, that'll be interesting to follow that. 
Yeah. What else? Um, well, we can get to the Facebook stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, you'll have to just educate me on this. I, I, in fact, uh, Zuckerberg was... To, uh, was Yesterday. At, and today as well. I and think today. Was today, today was day two of, in front of Congress. I just have not been able to read any news. So. Yeah, so I, I read most of, not all of it, but most of, I think I got through like the first two hours of, of the thing. <laughs> you watched it? No, no, I didn't have time to. I was working, okay. but um, I did read the transcript. And okay. I, I learned that, because normally I would go out and try to watch it, but I learned that reading the transcript, not only was it faster to read, but I wasn't distracted by trying to read gestures. Yeah, body language. And body language. Mm-hmm. So I was able to kind of get through it and trying to get to the main points. And um, I found it interesting. I, at least from the transcript, I think he did really well. He was expertly prepared. Yes. I think his his handlers, if I can call them that, were very proud of his performance. Yeah. I mean, I I saw some article a couple of days ago. How about they were? Then they had like you know a bunch of these you know high paid consultants that were coaching oh, sure. him for for probably a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, from the transcript, I, I could see how if you weren't if you allowed it to, how it would alleviate some of your concerns about what happened he, and what they did. <laughs> so if you took that transcript at face value, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Facebook didn't he did a, all right. He did a great job of making them sound <laughs> like they're not a horrible, horrible company. Yes. With, I mean, yes. and they are horrible. He's horrible. Sheryl Sandberg is horrible. <sighs> and the rest of that team is horrible. These are horrible people. They really well, are. Well, it was, it, was, it was interesting because there was, there was a fair amount of honesty in their business model that was said. Just flat out, yes, that's how we make money. And there's always going to be, uh, and to the point where, and I'll, I'll wrap this in some context. When asked about their business model, they're like, yes, we want this to be free. We want to have people access to it. And really the bottom line is they're going to make more money off of advertising. They are going to make charging people a single fee for this application. They're not going to get the, the volume of users. They're not going to get all of that if they were to charge for the service. So they want it to be free because they can and do make more money off of the advertising. So that's their business model. So flat out, I mean, yes, their business model is selling your data. You are a commodity to them. Although they like to wrap it around the idea that they're helping you connect and they're helping the world connect and, and share and all those kind of things, which is, it's a half truth to me. I mean, it's a, it's a truth, but at the same time, they exist to sell you ads. Sure. And that's, that is, there's, there's nothing bad about admitting that. I mean, I know some people who really don't follow business at all. They don't get that. I mean, just like, Radio content is designed just to have something there to pull you in, so they can sell you to their advertisers. I mean, that's yeah, that's you know anyone who uh, knows anything about business un- understands that. So he's admitting something that's super in- you know innocuous and just obvious to most people. Yeah, but I think I think it kind of lends itself to the. F- there, there was a couple of things that resonated with me, not because not because it was an excuse, but because I I believe it, and that is that. First of all, the terms of service, yes, it's all a ton of legalese, but even if it was super easy and short, how many people are actually going to read that and I mean, do who, read it? I don't know. How many people read their Salesforce agreement? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, so even though all that stuff is in the terms, people don't read it, but yet they still get offended and upset whenever something happens and, and Facebook's response is, well, it was in the terms of service that this is how we operate. Yeah. And, and most of the services you use. I mean, yeah. look at – I mean – you know, do you think Google's any be- much better? Google probably is a little better, but not a whole lot. And I think that's where people, and I'm just using people in general, not trying to attack anybody indirectly, but I think people forget the fact that nothing is free. There is no free. No, and with something like Facebook, where you don't pay them anything, 
you are the product. Yeah. They have gathered you and categorized you. They know more about you than most people in your life know about you. Probably more, actually. Mm-hmm. And they have packaged you and sold you. And they continue to sell you over and over and over. They sell you to advertisers. They sell you to the Cambridge Analyticas of the world. And there are a lot more than that. I mean, you know, the Barack Obama campaign in 2008 was famous for using data, this kind of data, this exact stuff. Yeah, I believe they were at the time touting it as a new technology that was going to change how campaigns run. And they yeah, were, I mean, they used social media spin data, on it. including Facebook data, yeah. everything they could get. And there's, I mean, the thing is, is like when you look at Facebook and you see all these like, I mean, I, you know, you'll see things like, you know, it'll be some kind of like, I don't know, like a, a video or, or whatever, some kind of like little app or game thing that's like, it's like people are freaking out about this. And it's like, you know, it's like it's some stupid math problem or like or like the thing that shows like, you know, it's got like a little diagram with cups at different levels and kind of like a little hierarchy diagram and like which cup's going to get filled first. And like every time you interact with that crap or you agree to play some stupid app or game, I mean, and this has been, been this way forever. Yeah. They get access to your data. Now, until a couple of years ago, they also got access to all your friends' data. So they have they have tightened it up some, but it's always been that way. Every, I mean, Salesforce has got all this data. They're in on this exact game. Salesforce makes a ton of money by helping those people, helping the people who buy you. Mm-hmm. They they help them buy you. Salesforce helps you target based on all this data that's collected. Yeah, this is how everyone know. Everyone that is in that business knows this is how they. And none of them are surprised in the slightest. This is the worst kept secret in the world. No, it is, and it's it, it's. I mean, and, and to the to some of the points that he was making is a lot of the tooling for for kind of keeping some of your stuff private is there. It's just people aren't using it or they don't recognize it or they don't know that it exists. Even though it's right on the screen, they don't know what to do with it. Like there's a fair amount of education issues when it comes to systems and how to manage your privacy and what certain terms mean and, and what it means when it says, can I share this with my friends and, and friends' friends and those kind of things. I also think as these systems get bigger and granular, I mean, think about Salesforce and all the, the hierarchy of permission models that exist and how it takes basically a professional consultant to kind of work out your sharing model. And even, and it's, and yet Facebook it's, is probably it's often on par. difficult for good yeah. consultants to even understand. And Facebook being on par with that granular level yeah. of yeah. permissions, right. a normal person supposed to be able to go in there and manage that? I mean, they, my grandma's yeah. supposed to go in and be able to manage her privacy. They've added more tools. Every time something bad happens, they're forced to go in just from a PR perspective and add more privacy tools. But I mean, it's it's one of those things. They can add more tools, but people figure out how, ways to get around them. Yeah. And and the thing is, is I mean, it's not that it's not that companies have to do anything they're not supposed to do to get around them. People are voluntarily just dumping their life into these things because it's uh, free photo storage. Yeah. And because you can see, you know, stupid, you know, fifteen second videos on how to cook something. Well, yeah, and I think the other the other part of the education series that needs to happen is that whenever you go to a, to a site that says, oh, log in with your Facebook account and you do your OAuth, basically. <laughs> and I don't know what the what the way to solve this is, but you know when you get that authorization request and it, it, it lists the things that it wants to have access to? There's no opt-in, opt-out. It's all or none. You don't get the option to say, okay, they can have this feature, they can have this feature, not this feature. It's usually, here's the things we're going to request from your account. You either agree or not to sign in with your Facebook account. I n- I've never once, by the way, and this is, I think this is good advice. This is what I do. 
any anytime I have to sign up to a site to create an identity, you know, a lot of them have this option. Oh, you can sign with Twitter, you can sign with Facebook. I yeah. never do that. Uh, usually, the option is called sign up with email. Mm-hmm. I always do that. And yes, I'm giving them my email address, but that's all. That's really all they're getting. Of course, I can correlate that with all these super cookies and all these ad networks that Salesforce does, and yeah, they can was, they can figure out everything about you pretty much. But at least I put some roadblocks up, I guess. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed by that as well. It sounded like a train of thought in the kind of questioning sections was kind of leading up to that was the use of kind of client side storage and cookies and things like that, but they didn't really dig into it. It, it kind of just got glossed over and I was kind of disappointed by that. Cause that is a big issue as well. Just the fact that they have your IP, they know who you are and they stick a cookie down. And if you're part of the, 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 the good boy club, you're, you're part of the network, you have access to, to that. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Well, what else do you have, John? I'm, I don't really have much else, and this needs to be a relatively short one for me. Well, if we're trying uh, to keep it short, we can end it there. I mean, I'm I'm not hurting. I just <laughs> when this beer's done, I want to be gone. I want to be done. You want to be done when the beer's done? Yep. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm way ahead of you, by the way. Probably because I'm like super stressed out right now. I'm like downing these beers. Let's talk about since we're not going to have time for an after show. We started with a collab between other half from Brooklyn and. Mm-hmm. Hoof-hearted. I love that. <laughs> Hoof-hearted. Hoof-hearted. It's called Yeah from the Chairlift. And I love, have you seen these labels? I mean, their labels are so... This, it's a hoof-hearted label. It's a 7.9% Imperial India Pale Ale. What's that one? That's another other half. Yeah, it's other half. But it's not a collab, right? Just other half? It says other half times the answer. <laughs> What's in it? What is it? Should I read the label? It yeah. says, last week, I effed around and got a triple-double, uh, triple-dry-hopped Imperial India Pale Ale. That's what it says on the can. Okay. <laughs> so I have a, the uh, other half's one of these breweries that you have to go stand in line, because they, they do these can releases every week. Mm-hmm. And it's, it cracks me up. These, I don't know, if, if faddish, hazy beer makers that have gotten kind of, I don't know, whatever, hyped up. Mm-hmm. And you go there uh, on the Saturday when they have their can release, and they'll they'll release like three or four new beers, and people stand in line for hours or even like the day before to make sure they get you know the the full allocation because there's always a max like you can buy a four pack of this and a four pack of like you can buy a four pack of all the new ones we're releasing today plus like a a case of like our regular whatever there's all these these limits and people will just go there and buy they'll max out their limits because what they do is through all these Facebook groups and Reddit uh, and um, like beer advocate, you know, people are all, they're just trading these beers or selling. They're literally selling them. And I've got a buddy who has basically partnered with this guy who goes to every other half release every weekend and he maxes it out. And so it all comes here. And so I'm, I'm signed up for a recurring weekly mixed four pack. It's usually four, sometimes it's three mm-hmm. of, uh, of other half. Oh, Nice. Which I'm not complaining. I, I, I'm kind of complaining, actually. That's where I was going with that. It's just... Because um, you have to drink it. I have to drink it. Yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just letting you know. You're going to be drinking a lot of other half over the course of the next... That's good. This, this, one, this one you gave me was kind of weird. I, I, I kind of double-taked on it a bit because when I drank it, at first it was just normal hoppy IPA, but then I felt something about the aftertaste was kind of savory or meaty i don't i don't know how else to ex- describe it but there was this that there's kind of like aftertaste it's a little it. minerally a little salty yeah. to me the finish um the first one was much sweeter that the who farted one yeah, was much sweeter farts are was, sweet jeremy I know. this is drier though for sure so yeah it's good though 
I appreciate you. Have you had my it. my um the logger I've got on tap right now? It's the Dortmunder. I don't think you have. I still need to bring that in. Yeah. That, I'm actually... You also I'm, owe I'm me a strawberry milkshake. Oh, from. yeah. Oh, you don't have that? You haven't had that one yet? No, I have that, but you, but you the new given the recipe to someone who I would like to try their version. Oh, Vincent, yeah. I'd like to... Do you still have some of that, though? Because it'd be nice to compare the two. <laughs> yeah, but I meant to tell you this. I guess we can talk about it on the air. We're trying not to um, reveal any identities here, but they... Oh, his wife. Uh-huh. I already said his name. I don't know if they want us to say the names or not, but um, she was telling me how, uh, yeah, we started listening to your podcast because you had con- you'd gone in like a few weeks ago, yeah, and you were talking to Vincent, yeah, and you you mentioned him that, or he asked about your shirt, and you're like, oh, that's uh, you know, we do this podcast, oh yeah, and so apparently they they both li- listen now and they think it's hilarious. I don't know why I'm like <laughs> we're not funny. I mean, I think I'm funny. I crack myself up, but I real I very much realize that that doesn't mean that I'm funny. <laughs> I feel like we've got so. this dad humor thing. Like you would make a joke, and our, your kids would just kind of roll their it's eyes. It's funny out. you say that because she always talks about like these dad jokes, and we have this thing like we we kind of have this competition in the group of us like to make the worst dad jokes possible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> but she's like, no, I, I love it. I'm like, I'm like, it's really kind of nerdy and in, in tech, and she's like, no, I love it. She's like, I'm I'm a total nerd. So mm. anyway, they were uh, they both seem to get a kick out of it. That's always good to hear. Yep. All right. That's all I got. Um, let's see. Also, um, oh, wait a minute. No, we have a shoot. We have a, we have a community thing. Oh, I, yeah. We got an email, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Wow. Hey, how did that happen, John? How did someone get a message into us, into this, into this undisclosed location of a bunker? How did someone do that? Uh, you know, it's this they, hack. It's, they we're, must we're, have we have emailed. We have hackers. They must have emailed info at goodaysirpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sad part is I lost it now. Where is it? Yeah, I don't know. Yes, we do. We love getting questions and and people you know, send us stuff to talk about topics and ideas or tips or whatever. But uh, it's it's gotten it's gotten kind of it's slowed down. So we need we need more emails. Just uh, yeah. oh, found it. Reach out to us. Tell us what you think or ask us. You know, whatever, whatever. Info at goodaysirpodcast dot com. Yeah. All, All right, right. So I'll get into this one. Yeah. Uh, this one's going to be anonymous. Uh, just remember, if you don't give us your name or the permission to say your name. We will keep it anonymous. That's true. Yeah, you have to explicitly give us permission in your email, or we will yeah. just not use your name. We want to opt on. We want to be the anti Facebook. <laughs> uh, and this person did write a little bit before their question, but I'm going to not say that just in case it might be incriminating evidence. Um, so I'll start with this. I've been in the Salesforce consulting space for about five the years. The what? Wait, start over and pronounce words properly, please. I, you're the one that gave me the beer, so I this know. is on you. Just slow down. It'll be out. You can get through it. Well, I feel like rushed because <laughs> no, I forgot good. about it, and then we got to do no, it, good. and we're trying to keep a short show, and no, now, I'm, now I'm just making it I'm longer. good. I'm good. I've been in the Salesforce. <laughs> I've been in the Salesforce consult. <laughs> can you, hey, John, say 365. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I can't even pretend to say it the way I was saying it that day. All right, I'm going to do it for real this time. Okay. I've this, been, this one's for real. I, <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> I've been in the Salesforce consulting space. <laughs> oh, that's a title right there. <laughs> Did you mean to do that? <laughs> the Salesforce insulting space. <laughs> hey, that's pretty much the space we're in, isn't it? <laughs> I can't say that word. Oh my gosh. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> uh, we've tickled his funny bone, everybody. John, he's he's lost you it. You have it. You read it. I'm gonna. I don't have you. it. 
I'm oh for it too because I can't. This is just I, like such dead air here. Let's see. Here. You for okay. it? Uh, I've been in the Salesforce consulting space for about five years. Started out really clicks, not code, and eventually picked up some of the code, not clicks, out of necessity. Cool. Uh, anyway, I just accepted a Salesforce software engineering role at a large company. The Salesforce team is small, so I'll be the only developer, and I'm feeling serious uh, imposter syndrome here. I know you've answered similar questions before, but if someone were starting out a new job as a developer and getting a bit of anxiety, what would you recommend? Any tips, tricks, advice for a new developer worried about or yeah, worried they're in a little op- in a little bit over their head? I mean, I think we all sometimes feel like we're in over our head. Um, if you don't ever feel that, you're probably not doing anything interesting, probably not moving up in the world. Um, most people have you know some level of imposter syndrome, so that's I would say kind of normal. But if you are you, I would uh, make sure you're in the Good Day Sir Slack community. Uh, and if you're not, um, John, will you tell this person how they can get in? Well, you turn this into an ad. You are Facebook. I know. I'm good, huh? <laughs> Working on my broadcasting skills here. You get a com forward slash community, or just go to the website and click on community, enter your email address, and uh, submit that. I will add you in manually. So things like that. You know, you uh, get involved in communities. I mean, I think ours is, is a good one. Um, we, we're pretty helpful, I think. You know, people come with interesting questions and we try to help them out. It doesn't really matter what, what the difficulty level is. There's going to be someone who probably understands it. Um, there's other communities, you know, look around. Local ones are great too. But just network, you know, it's, it's good to have a group of people that you can shoot, a, you know, something to, or you can just like meet up with or, hey, can you, I do this with John all the time. Hey, can you jump yeah. on and join me or, or whatever because I'm having a problem here. Because there is a lot of just, I think, truth in that idea that, you know, it takes, sometimes it, something takes more than one mind, multiple minds. Um, you're going to come up with a way better solution. And sometimes just kind of trying to explain your, your issue or problem to someone else gets you thinking about it in a different way. It's, that's the rubber ducking aspect. Yeah. Yeah, you got to rubber Yeah, duck. I agree with that. I think, I think finding a community to be a part of, finding someone to kind of help mentor you in different situations or just kind of be that that person you can call when you just have a question or just want to talk something through. It doesn't mean that person has to know exactly how to solve it, but just someone that you can have a conversation with. And, and since you're kind of you know, on the junior side of things, I mean, and you don't, you don't have the benefit right now of, of working with someone who's more senior, that, that's when you have to go out and kind of take some initiative to, to substitute that, to, to try to fill that, because you kind of have this gap, because I think it's always good to work with people who are smarter than you are. Yeah. Whether you're junior or even senior, it's always... It's always good to work with people who are smarter, smarter than you. Um, but you're just, so you're going to have to substitute that by going out and, and you know go to go to the local user groups if you have one. Um, again, just do some networking, and that's you know. That's or don't forget, Jeremy do. offered to be a mentor. That's true. I did. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes I'm busy. Sometimes I've got more time than others. But I'm always if I have time, I'm always willing to. John just spilled like beer on his laptop. Here. It was an accident. Your lifeline. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm hit me up in the Slack. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like I said, if I've got time, I'm always willing to help someone if they if they're stuck on something or just want to shoot some ideas, bounce some ideas off people. I mean, I mean, that's really important. For I mean, look at look at what you and I do. I mean, we're well. You you have a job now, but you're you're kind of. I mean, you're you're also in a situation. Even even with your you know the fact that you have a W two job doesn't really. It doesn't really. It didn't really change. I mean, arguably, in some ways, it didn't really change that much what you do. Right. And we're. I feel like you know, some of us are kind of just out on these islands. We don't. We're not on a team. 
that's the way some people are, where they come in every day and they have a scrum every morning. Mm-hmm. And they you know, they got a team of like six to 12 people that they're just, they're, they're, they work right there with them and they're constantly able to ask questions and bounce ideas. We I just don't have that, at least not in a physical sense, not in a location, a, um, yeah, like a same location, physical sense. So we have to substitute that with something. Yeah. And that, that, that takes work and effort and you just have to, you know, have to build it. Yeah, so just call Jeremy and he'll, he'll help you out. <laughs> exactly. All right, John. Um, well, thank you for that. Yeah, that was, that was a good if question. If anyone has any questions, comments, suggestions for the show, all those kind of things, just info at gooddaysquarepodcast.com. I probably mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but just before we sign off, I just I also would just want to thank all the people who um, came up to me at Trailhead DX and just you know thanked us. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you this? I'm sure I did, right? Well, yeah. It, there's I, so I, many. I, I was really shocked how many people found me. They either recognized just my my face from photos, or they recognized our voices. Which that was kind of interesting. That was cool. Sitting next to us in a in a um, in a session, they're like, "Hey, are you, I recognize your voices. Do you do a podcast?" You know. So, but so many people just you know thanked us and really encouraged us to keep doing. It. That was the, I mean, almost universally, everyone said, "Please keep doing this." So that that was encouraging, and it's it's just gratifying and, and humbling. So just want to thank everyone yeah. who who said hi and uh, introduced yourself. That was fun. And uh, I did meet a few people who I have your card, and I'm gonna contact you soon about sending you some stuff. So be on the lookout for that. It's just been crazy busy after coming back from the conference to get caught up. Yeah, and try to get a work stream going. You lose a week and you're in catch up mode. Yeah. So. Anyway, all right. Uh, so we talked about the the community, gooddaysforpodcast.com. Click on community and just give us your email address. That gets you in our Slack. Uh, ideas for show topics and questions if you want us to ask on the air or if you just want to send us private feedback, whatever. And that's info at gooddaysforpodcast.com. We always love getting reviews on iTunes and Stitcher and the Google Place. Um, you know, whether it's just whether it's words or just stars, those, those I don't know. Those are nice to get. I think they help people find us a little bit. Supposedly, the the algorithms, the algos, the AIs, they help people find us somehow. It's it's the Facebooks. Of the yeah, world. you've got to you've got to train their AI with your with your comments, with your uh, reviews. Yeah. So we need to train the world. Just turn off all your privacy settings so that everyone can find you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, John. That's all I got. Well, and to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.